This episode originally aired on November 12th, 2021 on the Unethical Podcast Patreon. Go check that out. Our client today is Bo Jansen, part of our unethical family, wife of Christy Jansen. Not only is did she marry perfectly, she's Australian. What a great combo and hilarious. So go check her out. She's in the more than 20 episodes of Unethical at this point. Celeste isolated some audio from me the other day, which was uh, very damning. <laughs> I think like every 10 seconds we could record you and then that would be damning audio. <laughs> I've just never seen a more disgusting bag of dicks as the three dicks that are here. Oh, okay. Well, nice to see you too, Bo. I'm glad we made this appointment together today. Holy fuck. I am a connoisseur of the penis and uh, I could not think of anything worse than the three of you cockbags. Where the fuck did you get an actual pirate's chest? You know what? People <laughs> usually find us charming, Bo. No, you're so cute. Are you just here to, to berate us or are you actually going to bring us a, something to fucking case? What's this giant fucking, what is this? What are you, what are you talking about? You're talking about my giant, my giant chest. Yeah, and by that, you... I mean the wooden one I'm holding. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. No, I've got a giant chest of money. Do you want it? Yes, for sure. <laughs> there's a catch. What's that? Okay. There's a woman, Paula Jean Weldon. I need you to sort it out. I'm not okay. going to give you any further details. I need you to use your, your big boy pants. And I see what you're saying, and I'm cool with that. Uh, but we have to kind of see what's in that chest. Because I've been tricked a lot of times. If it's a fucking chest full of, like, dildos or something, I'm going to be very upset. I need It needs to actually be money this time because these guys are getting frustrated with me. It's... Oh, to be fair, that's a very valid fear. If, if I had a chest and I was walking around and someone said, can I see what's in your chest? There is, like, a more than 50% chance it's a chest of dildos. So that's more than fine. You can have a look at it. Would you like to? Open yes. it. Do you want me to? Here. Do you want me to open it? I'll open it. Okay. Yeah, you open it. You go for it. Holy fuck. There's yep. gems. There's gems in here. Yep. There is semi-precious gems in there. Holy fuck. Is that plat- bars of platinum? No, it's titanium. Oh, just to weigh it down. I see. Okay, we can do that. All right, boys. Little does Bo know. I know everything about this case already. An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Like maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Wow. Did you guys see? Was there diamonds in that fucking chest? All right. So what we're doing today is solving the disappearance of a lady named Paula Jean Weldon. Not Paula Dean, which would be a little different. <laughs> uh, I don't want to deal with that lady. Why not? Well, Paula Jean. Uh, you know, she looks like she's a little scary compared to me, you know? Compared to you? Yeah. I'm not, I can't deal with scary <laughs> people. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of, of the term compared to. I don't know who's comparing. Are you like, are you a big Compared cook? to myself. <laughs> no are you a big cook or do you just say racial slurs a lot racial slurs i have never i would never ever well i have well now i'll compare you to what year Jesus. what year did it like drop off of your vocabulary <laughs> <laughs> what year what 1998 i think is when the last one finally fell off i added my last one <laughs> When they found out OJ was innocent, I ended it fully. I'm not talking about the bad ones. None of the bad ones. Is there good racial, racial slurs? I'm talking about white racial slurs that I can use because I'm a white man. Like honky, I use it all day. Cracker. Get in here, cracker. Saltine American, I prefer. Saltine, yeah. That's less <laughs> offensive. I don't like the less offensive ones. Cracker is the one I go with. <laughs> All right, so Paul Jean Weldon was born October 19th, 1928 in Stamford, Connecticut. She was 
the oldest of three sisters. Her family, uh, her father, sorry, and this is only for Getz. I only put this part in for Getz because I want to see if you know what this is because I didn't. Her father was a well-known industrial engineer, architect, and designer working for Revere Copper and Brass. His name is William Archibald Weldon. He invented many things, but his most famous thing that he invented is a piece of Art Deco, and it's called the Empire Cocktail Shakers or the Zephyr, Zephyr Cocktail Shakers. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why is that fam- make someone famous? Uh, and they're just like cocktail things that look funny. Like, have you ever heard of these? You're a drinker. I'm not a drinker. I don't drink. You're from the future. I forgot. No, I have never heard of these things. Yeah, me neither. But anyways, he's a well-regarded, well-known man in his field. The blue-eyed, strawberry blonde Paula Jean graduated from Stanford High School in 1945 and headed to Bennington College in Vermont the year after. She was majoring in art, but some said she was dissatisfied with her major and was going to change it. Uh, she was only she was very small. She was five foot five, 120 pounds. She had a vaccination scar on her thigh and a scar under her left eye. Those are the only features that they put in her missing poster. She had many interests, including, and this is an astronomical list of things to be interested in, I think, like to do on a regular, but I mean, she was 18. But she interested included swimming, biking, skating, hiking, camping, square dancing, playing the guitar, and botany. Like, I barely do any of those things. You don't partake in a little botany every now and then? I definitely know nothing about the weed I smoke, but I definitely <laughs> smoke it. <laughs> Wait, you say that. Is it legal there? Yeah. I feel like if Canadians were against smoking weed, America would already have legalized it. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, we got on the good side of that coin for once. You guys got like Hollywood and all the uh, good Trump. comedian jobs uh, and Trump. We got legal weed. So, Well, thank God we got Trump. Thank good God. 2024, baby. Trump. 2024. I We're behind uh, a Patreon actually, paywall. That's the only reason I made the, that comment. It's <laughs> uh, now right wing uh, podcast. Not yet. I haven't oh, heard right, you guys yet. Right, Bart. Here oh, we yeah. come. He's gonna. That that just means that he's gonna brush off the the racial slurs after decades. Yeah. Did I did I mention Paula Jean Weldon was a neo Nazi and that's why we need to find her? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Let's get Paula Jean's thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. I like her. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> At Bennington, she worked in the dining hall. Paula Jean worked in the dining hall and stayed in the dorms there called Dewey Hall, which I find fun. Dewey Hall. On Saturday, December 1st, 1946, the sophomore Paula returned to Dewey Hall after working the breakfast and lunch shift and told her roommate, Elizabeth Parker, that she was going to go for a walk. Uh, Not where she was going. Keep that in mind. She just basically said, I'm going for a walk. She went and changed out of her work clothes and into her walking clothes. She had on a pair of jeans, a pair of lightweight sneakers. And she also slipped on her bright red Parker parka that had a fur collar. And she headed out for her walk. Now, because of the bread, bright red parka, she is sometimes referred to as the real life little red riding hood. It might be a wear dingo again. These all might get solved by wear dingoes from, from now on. <laughs> all right. There's a lot of we'll fucking just... money in that briefcase. We have to think about this one a little bit more. Okay, but we'll 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 definitely pencil in wear dingo up there and then I'm in. Innocent until proven wear dingo. Yeah, exactly. So Paula was like I said earlier, she liked she was into hiking and she heard of a place nearby called the Long Trail and she wanted to hike that place for a while. She'd been talking about it with her friends. Uh, it's a, it's the long trail is just a hunting trail basically. And it was close enough to campus, but she had to get there by vehicle. It wasn't close enough to walk really. I think it was about 15, I don't know, kilometers. I don't know what that is in miles. I didn't look it up. 49. Sure. (laughs) 108 miles away. Close enough. Nailed it. It runs the whole length of Vermont, uh, all the way up to Canada. She also asked a few friends before she left work to go for a hike with her that day but none of them wanted to go. So, or they had plans or whatever. So she decided to go out on her own and she never actually told anybody where she was going. I got to kick, I got to hammer down that enough. All right. The clothes that she was wearing 
was okay for the 10 degrees Celsius weather, 50 degree Fahrenheit afternoon weather, but would have been inadequate for the cold Vermont December evening uh, that was calling for sub freezing weather that night. Uh, the weatherman wasn't wrong because I went and looked up the temperatures for that day, uh, December 1st, 43, I think I said it was, and it was minus 13 degrees Celsius, which is nine Fahrenheit. And it snowed a few centimeters that night or inches, whatever. So she brought no extra clothes when she left. She didn't bring any supplies. She didn't bring any money. She actually left an uncashed check sent by her parents for living expenses, uncashed in a room, like sitting on her desk. It was for $10, but I mean, 1945 money, $10 is probably a lot. By all accounts, it looked like she was just going out for a walk in the afternoon. All right. She left at about 2, 2.30 that afternoon. And the, like I said, the long trail was a drive away and it was about 10, 15 minute drive. And she didn't have a car. She was seen around 2.30 by an attendant of a gas station across the street from the college named Danny Fagan. I'm sorry. What? It could be Fagan. Yeah, maybe it could be. Could have been. Who knows? He said that he was. <laughs> she was walking down the driveway of the school dormitory area. And then she saw a, a gravelly knoll, like a, like a little gravel pit thing they had. And she ran up it. And then ran back down the gravelly thing and then headed down towards the highway to trying to get to the long trail. She needed to get there. So she went to hitchhike basically on the highway. To me, I still like, I know it's 1945 and hitchhiking's not really known to be crazy, but I, fuck man. How do people not think that hitchhiking's scary? Like, do you guys ever hitchhike ever? Absolutely not. Oh, fuck no. No, I, I used to, do, I used to do a bit about it where I just didn't know, like I saw a hitchhiker in like, 2018 and i had no idea anybody even considered the option anymore like you just have to know when you go outside like yeah this isn't gonna work <laughs> abigail no do you pick them up at all no but i i see them quite often just like sitting on the side of the road holding signs not really holding a thumb out or anything but yeah i i see some hitchhikers from time to time but not often but this was normal back then little 18 year old girl thought it was safe like, how do we how do we wait till Ed Kemper raped and fucking killed people before we're like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't. Movies, I think, had more of an effect than serial killers. So, yeah. Anyway, I mean, that's I just thought that that what like I thought it was as fantastical as like dragons were. I never considered occurred to me that people actually fucking hitchhike as a form of travel. Yeah. It's so bizarre. Yep. So common back then. So weird to me. Anyway, so she did. She got picked up about 50 minutes later by a guy named Lewis Knapp. When he stopped to pick her up, he told her. To be careful because she almost slipped because she was like tripping when she got in the car. Paula told him she was heading for a hike at the Long Trail near the Glastonbury Mountain. And then for the rest of the 15 minute drive, it was silence. Apparently, she just never said anything until she got out of the car and she was just like, thanks for the ride, that kind of stuff. But she didn't really say much, which maybe is just shyness. But she, my point is she wasn't scared of anything. She didn't look scared. Uh, she wasn't running away from anything. It was a calm, normal kind of silent, shy girl drive. He dropped her off at his house, like at the driveway of his house, because it was nearby the long trail. It's about three kilometers from there. From there, there's like a gap in seeing her because their next confirmed sighting is approximately four o'clock on the trail. So about an hour of nothing really. But she was actually, she made it to the trail, which is good. Uh, she ran into Ernest Whitman and his three friends coming out of where she was going, like where she was hiking. They were coming the opposite way. Uh, she asked them how far the trail actually went. And Ernest told her about how it goes all the way to Canada, but he'd only gone the five miles today, but it goes all the way up to Canada. Uh, Ernest also mentioned like, Hey, maybe you, if you're going to be out much longer, you should probably get some more clothes on. Cause it's about to be nighttime. It's uh, getting cold out there, you know? And she scoffed him off and she was like, I'm good. Don't worry about me. And then he didn't, he left. Now there's a couple other sightings of Paula a little further up the trail. But a lot of them are unsubstantiated because there was another lady walking around the long trail the same night that kind of looked like Paula. And she was also wearing a big red parka, which is funny to me. She was just taller and she was wearing a parka, but she was also with her boyfriend. So a lot of people mistook seeing Paula that night for seeing this taller lady. There's a lot of confusion going on with that. So a lot of the stuff's unsubstantiated. There's only a couple real proven sightings of her. One of them's with that guy and three, his three buddies. Yeah, after that, she was never seen again. One of Paula's 
roommates noted that she hadn't come home that evening, but she just chalked that up to the fact that school is starting up again tomorrow. So Paula must be at the library studying. It was the Sunday after Thanksgiving weekend, I guess, for you guys. Most people were just getting back from their break from the break. So maybe she thought she, she said, she thought, Hey, maybe she's got some studying to catch up with. She it's been the holidays. I don't know. That's what That's her a, thoughts That were sounds in. like an answer you'd give somebody who just asked you, why didn't you tell anybody she didn't come yeah, back? Yeah. <laughs> it's true, actually. <laughs> I thought she was at the library. Or I thought she was, I don't know, at the library. What do you want from me? Fucking... I, thought her, I thought she just came back home from being home. Her parents dropped her off with all of her suitcases right at the library. She was one of the few that didn't go home. Oh, actually, really? Apology. So, yeah, it was still the holidays, but she didn't actually go home. We'll get into okay. that a bit later. Well, that's sad. Uh, the next morning when there was still no sign of Paula, one of her other roommates notified the authorities that she was gone. At that time, when you were living in Dewey House, if you were out past 11 o'clock at night, you had to sign yourself out. And then when you came back, you had to check in with the security officer, like at the door. I guess they had a security guard. Uh, none of those things were done. Immediately after that, the college president, Lewis Webster Jones, called Paula Jean's family to see if maybe anyone had seen her at home because she hadn't gone home. Like I said, she actually stayed for the week. Nope, the parents hadn't seen her actually. And the mother hearing this news was said to have collapsed when they she heard of the news of her missing daughter. She's been gone for like 12 hours. Chill guy. W. Archibald, her father, Archie. I'm going to call him Archie. Okay, that's what we're going to do for the rest of the time. Uh, he actually got in his car and headed straight to campus. Before her dad showed up, a, can- a search of the campus was done. No sign of her anywhere on the insides of the campus or in any of the... Um, residential spaces and then by she failed to attend class the morning too and then once that happened they were super high alert she said maybe they she stayed out somewhere but then once she didn't show up to class she was a very studious young lady when that didn't happen mary garrett director of ministry admissions for bennington notified william taffer's jerome jr the bennington county state attorney the then county sheriff clyde peck was brought in to help with the search of travers uh, by travers sorry the reason I'm bringing up these guys' names at all is because at that time, there was no Vermont state police. Like they didn't have a state police force. All they had was a state's attorney guy, an investigator and a sheriff. That's what you got these guys. Okay. So that being said, they didn't really have the resources to pull in a search party quickly. And also coupled with that, people just thought she went for a walk. All they had so far for information is she's out for a walk. They did get a quick a tip early from a from a caddy. He said that he picked up a young college student and dropped her off at the bus station around two thirty on the day of her disappearance. He couldn't positively identify her as Paula. What, what year was it again? Nineteen forty five. I thought, yeah, yeah. So he was like holding up like a painting. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> just like a giant like wall sized painting. Like, have you seen this? Yeah, I, I don't think it's such a small place that I don't. Th- I think the cabbie would have remembered. You know, if it was really her, I think they would have gotten uh, by the yeah. end of it. But problem is the tip came like a day after her disappearance anyway. So even if they did, it was her. They wouldn't have been able to figure out what fucking bus she was on. There's no debit tracking your like where you're using your money. It was just cash it would have been cash, but she didn't bring cash. So the father actually arrived later that day, the same the first day. And he started organizing searches right away. He, he actually went to the school. He got classes canceled for that day, suspended for the day. So all the, the college people could actually help out. Uh, the sheriff was actually out going to the next, there's a college, Williams College is like close by. And they sent about 25 volunteers to come look as well. They also rounded up a couple people from Bennington. They had about a hundred people out in the afternoon, the day after, like, sorry, this next day, but in the afternoon. So it was like 12 hours after she was reported. And then they start looking. They actually start going around. Actually, they got a plane that first day too, which I found was cool. They have search planes in 1945. Wow, this must have been a very white girl. She's very, very white. Very pretty. Very white. Hmm. Very pretty. Yeah. That's a lot of resources for the 40s. For sure. And right after the war, I'm sure everyone was like, I don't feel like it. I just <laughs> searched for Frank on the battlefield. This isn't even the half of it yet. This is like the minor search. <laughs> like, wait until it gets crazy. The first area they went to check was a place called Everett Cave, which was on a nearby mountain. Paula said she wanted to go up there to some friends the earlier that week it's not even on the long trail it's like on a different mountain on mount anthony with a local farmer henry Steele. i just put his name because it's awesome he brought them up to the 
mountain, like 20 or 25 of these 100 people, and nothing. They didn't find anything. Uh, they also started searching around the campus and the grounds around the campus. That's the rest of the people. Nothing. Nothing, because they only thought she was going for a walk. They didn't know she actually thumbed it out of there somewhere. Everyone started getting a little bit frustrated, like all the college students that knew Paula. They were all getting a little frustrated with the shitty fucking search efforts, really, because it was so unprofessional and the dad was ta taking charge over the cops and everything. Everyone just got started getting mad about the whole thing. And then the school president started to notice how pissed the kids were, and he started to get pissed, too. So the next day, the dad decides to get a bunch of flyers printed. He starts sending them around that way. Taxis and bus drivers, that's when they got that taxi thing. Canadian Border Patrol, because it's not that far from Canada. That's when they found out about Ernie Whitman after they put out the flyers. And the, after the dad was pissed and said, I'll do it. That's when that Ernie Whitman guy told them about how they had seen her on the, the long trail. So now they're like, okay, we have a place to search. We know where she was. And Archie and his buddies went out like at six in the morning to go check it out with flashlights before it was bright outside. He went to like where the camp was on the long trail. Also nothing. Paul was last sighted by a group of hikers near a hunt camp near the long trail called Hunter's Rest, which when checked came up empty. So Archie and his friends searched for about 30 miles, I believe it was something like that. And then they were like, you know what? She had little shoes on in this fucking snowstorm. She would never have gone this far. So they turned back all this time during the day. People are like, why don't you talk to the clairvoyant? There's a clairvoyant in this town over. We'll get her. She'll find her. She's really good all day long. So Archie finally cracks day two. He's like, you know what? <laughs> Let's get a clairvoyant. <laughs> I'm going to the psychic. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to the psychic. So he gets a psychic. Her name is Claire Jepson. He went and picked her up and everything. She's in a nearby. A a hold up one moment. Yeah. Her her name is she's Claire the Clairvoyant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I God bet damn. you Jepson is like Chinese for voyant. <laughs> really? I'm I'm curious where you studied Mandarin. I never did. I make it up. <laughs> really? Right. Wow. I use hyperbole to get my point across. Yeah, so he goes and he picks up this fucking clairvoyant because everyone convinced him. Was she hitchhiking? Yeah, probably. She doesn't need to hitchhike. She knows when you're coming. Oh. She just walks out. She just walks out. You're there. She she told him, oh, yes, I found your daughter. I can see her. She's under a covered bridge. Let's go find the covered bridge. And everyone was like, I know where there's a covered bridge. And they went there. And guess what, guys? Didn't find her. Shocker. Fucking shocker. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so December 4th now, they had a bunch of new leads because of all the annoyances that the dad was doing. But now, since they put up the flyers, they got a bunch of leads. Now they collected more people. They collected students, professors, Boy Scouts was on the list. So weird. Imagine being like, hey, kids, you want to earn your finding a dead body badge? Come on out with us tonight. That would <laughs> look so sick sewn into a sash. Oh, yeah, we fucking I'd, I'd ask if they have like a finding a dead body woggle. I could just wear around my neck. Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so they had 30 God. locals. They had all these Boy Scouts, the professor students. They had uh, the plane still was going. And now they started focusing their efforts a little bit more. But this is two days in. So they followed the Highway 3A where she hitchhiked because um, they had heard the tip about the hitchhiking at this point as well. They continued on the woods. Some some people stayed around the woods around campus because they didn't really, they were like, it's probably just there, right? So that's fun. And then by the night, the evening time on the December 4th, the college president Jones issued a statement to that the authorities suspect foul play and suspected that Paula's body must be concealed somewhere. <laughs> Rather than admit fault that they just can't find it. <laughs> yeah, they went right to panicking everyone. Surely it's concealed. It was a murder. That's, a, that's what I thought, too. First thing, I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're just going to panic people. Why not just say, I don't know where she is. If you can help find her, come on, we'll do it again tomorrow. But no, they right? went balls deep and said, someone's been murdered. A moida! <laughs> so, okay. So that was December 4th evening. Now we're on December 5th. Like I said, Archie's a well-known engineer. Uh, he actually works in New York City now. Or New York, and not New York City. And he decided, you know what? I know some people. I'm going to call in some favors. So he got 120 state police from New York and Connecticut to come to Vermont and assist with the search efforts. Who is this man? Yeah, exactly. He fucking made a, sh a shaker. Like he made a, sorry, a, like a cocktail thing. Like what, why is this guy famous? Why does he have favors? I don't get it, but he did. 
People love drinking. It's true. People, and especially in 1945. The cops are like, hey, here, Archie's daughter's missing. God damn it. How can we help? I have six of those cocktail shakers on my shelf. I will lay my life down for this man. Yeah, I know. I, I honestly, it's outrageous to me because look what he does. Imagine me and you went to the state police and we're like, we need you to help. So they'd be like, get out of here, stoner. Oh, 100%. <laughs> well, this guy. So he also gets Connecticut to send a detective, Robert Rundle, and a police woman. They didn't want to call her a detective, but let's call her a detective. It was 1945. It was Detective Dorothy Scoville. I keep saying police woman. Let her be a detective. She was out there detecting. Their job was to go through all the leads and interview all the people who may, have, may or not have seen Paul Jean. Now, this stepped up the search efforts. This made it uh, actually viable to look around for when after this was all said and done, Archie collected nearly 500 volunteers <laughs> to come look for. Her. So he, he God damn. five times it in a day, just using his alcohol shaker money. Fuck. Yeah. And, and he roused it up four more planes. There was five search planes flying around. Crazy. So nuts. <laughs> she was so white. She was so white guys. Yes. Yeah. She was five search plane, white. Five search plane. <laughs> They searched the long trail very thoroughly this time. Uh, But what they did to do this is they each filled their pockets with confetti. And as they walked, they just threw confetti on the ground to be like, we already searched there. Already searched there. Already searched there. Well, that makes sense. It was a party. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Confetti. I brought some glitter and macaroni and glue too. (laughs) I don't know how it'll help, but maybe it'll lighten the mood. The Boy Scouts can put it on her body when they find it. <laughs> uh, confetti fucking badge. You don't get your dead body sash today, guys, but we got your confetti badge. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, goddamn. Right. So now they went uh, methodically searched all areas, including the long trail, campus trails, and anywhere they had looked already, basically. With the investigation skills of Rundle and Scoville, there was uh, many tips that came in, but there was a lot of junk tips that I didn't really like. A lot of white rabbits, as they call them. I feel like you're using gay slang here. No, it's straight slang, dude. Yeah, straight junk up, straight. tips, white rabbits. <laughs> white Sound- rabbit is basically like a leap that goes nowhere. Sounds like stuff you want to stuff in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, no, a white rabbit's basically like a tip that goes nowhere. It's like a, it's a thing. A tip, this, uh, the day that they were searching around like that, a tip came in from a waitress in Fall River, Massachusetts. Her name was Ora Telletier. All right. She said that she served a disturbed woman. She swore looked like Paula. I don't know what disturbed means. It's 1945 talk. So it means like she was talking back to her man or like she paid the bill. She was disturbed or something to that extent. I don't know what disturbed means, but yes. She took, she took her jacket off without courtesy or curtsying. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, that woman's a devil, I tell you. A disturbed whore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was about 9.30 at night on Monday, the day after the disappearance. And she had been eating with another man who was approximately 25 years old. She was 18 at the time, just so everyone remembers that a little bit older. He had a very heavy build and he was about five foot eight. Now, apparently he was very, very drunk and he was very abusive to Paula, which I don't know what that means either. He, what does abusive mean for 1945 talk? Tried to think of it like, I don't know, yelling at her. Uh, beating her head against the table. <laughs> yeah, they're like, should have hit her harder, you pussy. Hmm. Anyways. Sir, if you don't stop that right now, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just that. When he went to the counter to pay, Paula called over the waitress and asked her where they were and how far Bennington was. And she also told the waitress that she needed to get there. The girl, Paula, seemed dazed but not intoxicated. That was the end of it. I guess the guy came back and took her and they left, never to be seen again. But soon after they got that tip, Paula's father, he actually left the search group for 36 hours to, to investigate this lead by himself. He, he says later on, it's kind of weird that he fucks off for like 36 hours. I find 
Uh, but he says later on that he was heading to the FBI to go inform them of what's going on and to go follow up with the waitress. So he, he spent 24 hours at the FBI and 12 hours. I don't know. I don't. Anyways, he went there, came back. There's other leads, like I said, people just saying that someone who fit Paula's description brought, bought bus tickets or was like seen in a washroom somewhere. Nothing that really led anywhere. By the end of December 5th, campus president Jones this time held a press conference and he announced that the search of the long trail was over and the searchers have done all they could. <laughs> so he went from like, she's been murdered out there somewhere to like, she's not there. We're good. You know? Well, they, they had to end the search party because uh, at the same time, 11 Boy Scouts had gone missing. So they had to restart yeah. another search party. Yeah, that's the next podcast. Yeah. And Where I, are the boys? Ironically, they sent more Boy Scouts after them, just creating a vicious cycle. <laughs> it's just... A Boy Scout eating fucking forest. Yeah. Is there a conspiracy? Is there a conspiracy in this one? Or is there just missing people? There's a like missing what? girl. And there's some there's some theories as to where she went and what's going on. Yeah, there's some weird conspiracy shit to this. Yes, for sure. We'll get to that part, though. After the, the campus president went up there and said, nothing to see here anymore. We searched. Uh, Archie followed up. And he told the reporters that he was satisfied with how the search was handled and the searcher and that he believed he and the searchers believed that his daughter was not in the area. He kept insisting that she had a, like a crush on a boy. And I don't know if this is why she didn't go home for Thanksgiving, but we'll get into that. Like he was like convinced someone take, took her away and he was saying it a lot. Okay. But they, they called off the search uh, on December 5th. But they still had volunteers looking for Paula for the next couple of weeks. A $500 reward is offered for information leading to, or for information leading to the location of Paula. More leads did come in, but nothing worth mentioning again. All run down by the detectives and found to be nothing. So the last person to see Paula alive was a guy named Fred Gadet. Fred was a lumberjack and hunter who lived in a shack near the Long Trail. This is around 4.30 in the afternoon after she had run into the hikers. Yeah, after two weeks of searching and nothing, Archie goes back to New York. Uh, the search kept up in and around the Long Trail for the next month. Still no trace of Paula. Within seven months, though, of Paula Jean's disappearance, Archie had petitioned the Vermont State Legislature to create a Vermont State Police Department. And that's why we have one now. It's because of Paula Jean. Or they, I don't have a Vermont State Police, but Vermont does. Sounds more like Archie. That man is unstoppable. He is a force. Uh, from what I've read, he's pushing lots of people Good Lord. to get his shit done. 11 planes, 9,000 police officers, <laughs> not enough police officers, just creating an entire department of police in a state. Yeah. A year after Paula disappeared, Detective Almo Franchoni told the Bridgeport Telegram, I don't think we ever had a good clue. Now, I don't think that's true. We'll talk about that in a bit. But when the snow melted in the spring, Archie organized another search party for two days with still no signs of Paula Jean because, like I said, it snowed the night she went missing. So when shit snows over, it's harder to see any disturbance or anything like that, right? So that, that probably made it a little harder. Uh, then the case went cold for years. But 13 years after the initial disappearance, an unidentified skeleton was found around the area Paula was said to have gone missing. Everyone was excited. That drummed up a lot of... Uh, were, they, were they excited? Yeah, they were. They thought Paula was finally <laughs> just, found. And there's going to be a skeleton. <laughs> there's going to be a skeleton. It's Vermont. They didn't have police. I'm sure they never have skeletons. It's not New York City where there's skeletons uh, every day. We have no skeleton. Do you think yeah. New York City is a Halloween town? All skeletons. As soon as people walk through their door, they rip off their clothes. Yeah. But yeah, the bones dated back too far to be Paula's. So everyone was disappointed. All they got was a skeleton. Did the Boy Scouts get a badge at least? The Boy Scouts got their skeleton badge. Yes. Nice. Got... <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's bang through the theories here. There's a bunch on this one. Okay. Uh, I did give all the information for everything because it's more fun to tell you during the theories. But do you guys have any theories uh, starting off? Right off the bat here. Mm. I think she ran away from her. <laughs> Fuck if I know. I mean, this one, I'm just confused as to what I'm solving. Well, where she is, what happened to her? Come on. 
We have a He's dead. briefcase of money. Maybe. I mean, maybe she's dead. Maybe not. She was 18 in 1946. If she's not dead now, I don't fucking know. Oh, if- yeah. Now, yes, for sure. She probably. What if it, 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 that was the exact turning point in human history in which hitchhiking went out of out of fashion? And she, she's still trying to hitchhike to this day, but everyone just <laughs> everyone just burr, 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 fuck yeah. you, <laughs> just like a ninety-four-year-old woman hitchhiking down. <laughs> That's kind of fun. I hope it's that. I hope she's out there hitchhiking on the long trail, hmm. not realizing people don't use it anymore. Okay, well, let's do some theories then. First thing, first theory the cops had right off the bat was that Paula died on the gravelly knoll. You remember when now she what? climbed up? What type of creature is a gravelly knoll? I'm familiar with <laughs> trolls, but not a knoll. Is it, I think it's the large. kind that attacked JFK. Oh, is that what killed JFK? Yeah, the grassy yeah. knoll killed JFK. Okay, is that like a goblin, or <laughs> is it similar to like a? It's like a. It's like an embankment. I'm not familiar with that type of creature. You ever see? You ever see his brother Robert? Kind of looks like that. Really. <laughs> Robert Kennedy, yeah. No, I haven't. Now I'm I'm picturing uh, I don't know, like a little. Yeah, like... it was post plane crash. Oh, okay. All right, so sort of like a zombie. Yeah. Well, that explains why I went after his brains. Then everything's falling into place here. We're solving crimes we didn't even know we wanted to solve today. Yeah. yeah. Robert Kennedy off the list. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So they initially thought that she might have died. At the knoll. And remember when I told you about that? She ran up it and then ran down it for whatever reason and then went. It's like, it's very childlike. It made me think of a child, but being 18 is a weird time in your life. It's when you're like finally an adult or like close enough to it, you know, but you're still like fucking got your head, foot in the childhood thing. So I feel like she just did that every day. She would see that hill and be like, I can climb the hill and then run up and then run down. Right. People thought off the bat that maybe since they saw her do it on the way out, when she returned from the long trail, she did it on the way back. But this time on the way up, the, the gravel let loose and buried her. Which I work in a mine. I can tell you right now, a pile of gravel can kill you pretty fucking fast if it falls on you. All right. Uh, it's not an outrageous thought to have had, but they bulldozed the fuck out of it. She wasn't in there. So pretty much not the thing, but maybe she was further deeper, deeper, you know, who knows? I don't think so, but. That was the original first theory. She died from being a child in a, as an adult. What do you think of that? Hmm. Kind of stupid. Okay. Hey, Rick, I'm I'm forwarding an image. I think it might help with the uh, the uh, the investigation here. Will you share it to your screen? <laughs> oh, sure. Okay, so this is a knoll. <laughs> As you can see, it's uh, it's very canine and human in nature. Uh, <laughs> it kind of looks like a were dingo, you fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's more of a, a were hyena. It's uh, uh, very popular in the documentary uh, series Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. So um, I I would I don't I've never heard this thing speak, but if I were to, I'd imagine its voice is very gravelly. So. <laughs> I don't know. You guys make your own conclusion with that. Um, okay. Well, I'll add it have... to the theory list. It's on the theory list now. Okay? okay. So so far we have die by gravel, and the second one we have die by gravelly voice null. Gravelly null. Gravelly voice null. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like it. It yeah. is kind of scary. This thing. It. It's. I'm familiar. I knew what you were doing earlier. I just went past it. But I agree that a null would fuck up little strawberry blonde polygene no problem i mean it has thumbs and teeth so i don't know though i mean if she braided her hair i feel like she kind of looks like this thing okay all right yeah i mean i see it too so maybe she could be the were creature i'm not saying every mystery has to end in were creature but it's very suspicious that one of <laughs> them the is teeth. look at the teeth literally spitting image it was literally it's brought not... up in the story okay well it's not uh Sure. Let's. I'm, like I, I will said, hear I'm out throwing other it theories. In, I'm throwing it in the theory pile. I have no problems doing that. I am actually very cool. With I'm that. going with whichever theory this episode does not require me to explain anything. So, RJ, I'm on board right now. Thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> you usually figure everything out. So, 
What is uh, I'm so confused about how this one's even. This is just some girl went missing. I'm I don't know what I'm solving. Don't I'm, wander into the woods and run around the the knolls. I don't know. I'm I'm All no right. longer confused. Second theory, third theory, my fault, is that she just died in the woods. Okay, she went missing in a Vermont December, and she probably wouldn't have made the long trail before three o'clock. Sunset for that day was four thirteen. This gives her about an hour of daylight before it becomes extra dangerous to be walking around the woods. Well, yeah. Why do you think that is? No. But if she wasn't an old, she could have just frozen to death in the woods. Everyone thinks like it's super easy to find someone in the woods like that. But like I said, it snowed. So it left, it blanketed everything. It made it hard to find any disturbances at all. And if she wasn't dressed properly or have any supplies, she probably would have been cold. So she probably would have like found a smaller area to keep warm in somewhere to hide something to hide under or between or underneath. Right. As much searching as they did, they didn't really find anything within the first couple hours. Usually when someone goes missing, the first 48 is the best time to be looking after that pretty much statistics go that you're not going to find them. This theory is the most likely, but it's the least fun. So I don't like it. So I'm going to go fuck that theory. Right. Uh, but there is many holes to this theory anyway. Just because it's likely doesn't mean it's what happened. There was no evidence at all found of her disappearance. They didn't find like if she was underneath a rock or, or like a in a tree stump or underneath something somewhere and she died that way. Maybe she froze that day and the animals weren't interested. They couldn't smell her, but they would have found parts of her clothes eventually or sh- a shoe or something. Nothing. Nothing was ever found in the woods out there. I think I think you're overestimating the searching ability of a group of Boy Scouts. No, I, that's true. But Archie, like you said, Archie got some shit done. So I'm sure the two guys that he always had with him fucking searching were doing a good job. You're right, though. 500 people means nothing. And it's, it's thick Vermont woods with the planes flying over. You wouldn't have been able to see much. But I feel like just a scrap of clothes. If it was animals and it wasn't purposeful, something would have been there. Mm-hmm. all right it's the most likely but i don't like it so fuck that one all right that's what i say to that i'm still on where old territory right now or i guess just Noel. that one anybody got anything to say about that ricky seems to think that's the, the one already right off the bat he's shaking his head no because he agrees with the- i have nothing else to add i i'm i'm aware that this girl went missing and at this point i i think she's dead yeah me too bold uh, assumption yeah now the next theory kind of is, is her dad's theory that she ran away with a boyfriend. Her dad kept insisting that she ran off with her boyfriend and she started a new life somewhere else under an assumed name, which in 1945, you could easily do. Nowadays, you can't really Oh shit, do that. maybe her dad killed her though. So the theory went that she went to the long trail with nothing and met up with her boyfriend out there. They She kind of like faked her disappearance, got in a car with the five foot eight fat guy who was her boyfriend, apparently. The guy was abusive from the diner, that guy. And that's why Archie went to go find her. He figured out that she was missing and then he just came back. Fuck it. That was her. And she's off with her boyfriend. I don't know. Like you want to go run away and make a new life. You'd bring 20 bucks with you. If you had it, you know, you'd bring something, you bring a couple pairs of clothes. Maybe not though. Maybe, maybe this boyfriend was just like, don't worry, don't bring anything. So they think you're missing. I don't know. It is out there. And it is the thought that especially her dad had. I just sent you a picture of her boyfriend. <laughs> I know this. He was very ahead of his time with the haircut, though. I agree. I agree. Where's this going, Richard? Where do you think? DeviantArt.com? You're right. I didn't think that, but I'm turned on by a weird half hyena, half woman. So I don't know what to say now. <sighs> half woman. He just has a narrow waist. It's called androgyny. Please don't disrespect Paula Dean's boyfriend. Old man. He's, he's a non-binary Noel. Oh, sure. Uh, boomer. Okay, Boomer. All right. Next theory is that Archie's involved. Her father became a suspect in this, actually, at a certain point. When he disappeared for the 36 hours, the cops all thought it was weird. They started looking into what the fuck he was actually doing. And during the whole investigation, Archie just kept hammering down that Paula had a boy she had a crush on, and that had something to do with her disappearance. I'm sure of it. And he said it. Like, there's no evidence of any of that, really. There, no one even said that she had a boyfriend or she was talking to guys at all. But when the cops started asking about the dad when he was away, they were starting to find out that their the whole home life situation with them wasn't as idyllic as the dad made it out to be. He wasn't the greatest of parents. 
believe it or not. Uh, he's the guy who made alcohol shakers for World War II veterans. I'm sure he was a great guy. I don't know. There's really no evidence that the dad did anything except for when he disappeared. So it's really hard. I don't think he would be putting that much effort into finding her if, unless he was that kind, that good. Like that smart to know. Like if I fucking hammer down, try to find all, find her, get as many of my calling as many favors as I can. It's gonna take the heat off of me, which I, in me it would. I don't know. Plus she was in a fight with him from Thanksgiving for whatever reason because she didn't go home. They didn't live far away. Maybe, maybe it was a black guy. Maybe she was dating a black guy and he fucking killed her. You know. And I wrote that down because it's 1945. Who the fuck knows? Um, wow. Wow. Racism existed in 1945. Don't pretend it didn't. No, but you're the one <laughs> saying that. No. <laughs> I just want to speak for private dicks when I say racism still exists today. Oh, for sure. For sure. hundred percent. But people would Don't be uh, people out with that news. Oh, I'm sorry. If you're on this <laughs> Patreon, you, if you're on this Patreon, you don't know that. So just disregard. That'll get cut. You're good. So next theory is. The Huntsman Lumberjack, Fred Burdett. I didn't really say much about him. I did say that he'd saw her, but here's what he says. He claims to be the last person to see Paula Jean. He was the first suspect that they ever had, and he's been a suspect multiple times throughout the investigation. Now, over the first decade of her disappearance, Fred's story as to what he saw in the woods that night changed multiple times. At first, he saw her on the trail, heard a scream, and stayed in his house all night and did nothing with his girlfriend. The second story, he heard a scream when he was fighting with his girlfriend and he stormed off after he heard the scream to let his girlfriend calm down. Another version, he hears a scream and he gets in his pickup and he just drives towards the scream. It just, it just, he changed things so drastically that it's like, dude, you're a shitty liar or no, you're just either a, a shitty liar. Or you're just a shitty liar. Overall, you're, too, you're either lying about doing it or lying about seeing her. You're just a shitty liar. These conflicting statements made him a suspect in 1946. He was a suspect again in 1955 as he started to brag to the locals that he knew within 100 feet where Paula's body was buried. He bragged to the police that he'd killed her. And then once they went and searched where he said the body was, they found that there was jack shit at all anywhere. Then when they got back to the station, and this is 1954, this or 55, this is like 10 years after it happened. So when they get back to the station, he goes, yeah, I made that up. I was lying. I made it up for attention. So the cops were like, okay, I guess. And then a couple weeks later, he's at the bar hammered telling everyone he killed her. They don't really have any evidence that he killed her at all. And he doesn't really have a thick record. He doesn't know. It's not like he's got a history of violence. He just seems to be some weird hermit guy. There are theories that this guy is like a bootlegger or was a bootlegger, sorry, or a smuggler or whatever. And he was going up and down the long trail, bringing whatever up into canada and maybe paula jean saw what he was doing and then he fucking killed her but there was no body like i said no evidence and there was no evidence of a crime ever actually occurring so fred was never actually formally charged fred's a big a big one it seems weird that he'd make up stories 10 years later about this saying he killed her or whatever what do you guys think of fred i think every male in that town is a suspect Mm -hmm. Even especially the Boy Scouts, they have the most to cover oh, up. Oh, I didn't even think of them doing it. I mean, that's why they were so ineffective. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get their murder badge and their cover-up badge. Most wow. of the most of the time, the Boy Scouts find the body. We know this. This is history. <laughs> true, very true. Yeah, could be. There's a bigger theory that goes along with this, and it kind of involves Fred. So I kind of separated it into itself, uh, into its own category. But I, I would say, if it is, it's Fred. But there's been a long, a lot of talk during that time period when she went missing over the next decade or so that there was actually a serial killer on the loose around in and around that area. Many people gone missing in that area and the few years before and after Paula disappeared. The first person that went missing was Mitty Rivers. So he would bring people at 74 hunting on the long trail and he went missing. And after a a big search, not as big as Paula's search, there was nothing. They never found him. This was a year before Paula went missing. Three years to the day after Paula's disappearance, James E. Tedford disappeared from a bus that was departing from Bennington. And then in 1950, which was five years after disappearance, eight-year-old Paul Jepson went missing in the same area where Paula disappeared while his mother was distracted tending to her pig. And I just realized now as I'm reading the script that 
Paul Jepson has the same name as Clara Jepson, the clairvoyant. I wonder if there was a connection there. I didn't even think of that. Ooh. But the little eight-year-old was never found either. Okay. Two weeks after the kid, Frida Langer went missing. Another giant search party comes up with nothing. So there's been a long-standing theory that there's been a serial killer actually hunting those areas because it, it, it died down. The, the missing thing died down a couple of years later. It five fig like there's see the serial killer thing's cool. It's like a fun theory to think, and it could very well be all right. But there's a couple of problems. Serial killers have patterns that a lot of them follow, and a lot of it most times with serial killers they'll kill within their race, which okay, fair. Maybe it's they're all white people, so maybe is that a real thing? Serial killers kill within the race? Yeah, for sure. Seriously? Yeah. Fuck. I mean, I don't know shit. Clearly. Are you yeah. surprised that they're they're that hateful, that they're racists? No, they kill. They're, <laughs> you, they're not. Did you racist. think better of serial killers? <laughs> no, they're not racist. They're not racist. Well, I guess it depends on their motivation to be killing their own race. Is it like? But is that okay? Wait a minute. God, I, I hate other white people. Or is it like I won't dirty my hands with? Is that more though crime of opportunity? Because like you know, you usually live around the same people you know what i mean like communities and shit like that based on like years and years of oppression and shit like that is that less about like serial killers are just like i'm white i gotta kill a white dude i like white meat you know what i mean like that went further than i thought it was going to i was trying to get um, rj to laugh and it worked i don't know <laughs> white mate rj rj sending weird fucking hyena porn in the that's chat. part of to- an investigation <laughs> i'm trying I'm- to I'm collecting evidence. No, uh, put it this way. It's a stat and it's not 100% of the time, but it is most of the time. So, and there's also the whole, like, if you're a serial killer of children, typically you just kill children or typically you just kill young white women. They're or not, typically you just not, kill it's old not people. children, serial killers killing children. Serial killer who kills children. I'm just Anyways, I'm, point, like, I'm, I'm all is, cool with a, chili, with a serial killer that like sticks to their vice. But I didn't know that it was a real statistic that, like, if I'm white, I have to kill white people. Well, you don't have to do anything. It's just a stat. But, I mean, the stats show that most people do do that. You could kill whoever you want, Rick. But what I, I want to know. I want to know. Are you upset because... that you've killed people overseas with your. Uh... He is. It's predominantly brown people with missiles. And he's. <laughs> oh, no, I've been breaking the law by going outside. my no, that, just, that just means I'm not a serial killer. Oh, yeah, oh that's that's. Hey, hey. <laughs> Not a serial killer. I only kill people who don't look like me. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the clear. I'm in the fucking clear. Yeah. yeah no. But, all right. Yeah, Continue. Like I, I I'm still. I, I don't get it's it. It's okay. Serial get, killers just have patterns. Okay. And there's no patterns going on with this. It's all over the fucking map. There's a couple patterns. The one pattern would be like nobody's ever found. That's a that's a part of a pattern. Like they would be very fucking good at that. If that. Was what if it's true. not a serial killer? It's just a cannibal. It could be like someone who lives a wild man who lives in the in the bush and just eats fucking whoever comes his way. The big bad wolf coming after Little Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. You see where I was going mm-hmm. with that thing, mm-hmm. didn't you? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the killer's mo. It's a bunch of old, young, middle aged, all over the map with the ages. Uh, so it's just weird to me. But I mean, it could be. So the last theory, which is the most fun one, and it's not really a theory, but it's kind of yeah. I'm gonna say it's a theory. The area where Paula went missing is near a town called Glastonbury. It's a ghost town. Okay. And the area around Glastonbury in like a triangle formation is what is a place dubbed by Vermont Arthur, Vermont author, Joseph A. Citro as the Bennington triangle, much like the Bermuda triangle, but it's in a woodlit wooded area in Vermont where weird shit goes down. I don't know if you guys know what the Bermuda Triangle is, but it's like a place that on in the ocean that goes from like Florida to Puerto Rico and up north in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. And and coincidentally, that that uh, triangle in the bare ocean is just as populated as that triangle in Vermont. Essentially, except for there's one wild hyena killing people, apparently. Noel, sir. Noel, sorry. It's a Noel. In Glastonbury or around Glastonbury, all those five people went missing, but there's also a lot of bizarre sightings out there. Those, like I said, the missing people from the serial killer, they all went missing around the same time of year and around the same time of day. So three to 4 p.m. 
and it was always in October, November, December, all those three months. Now I know those are the coldest months. Well, the starting of winter and stuff like that, people start getting so maybe, but you figure if most people would go missing throughout the year, not just concentrated in the last three, uh, one point in the year. Right. Uh, and I heard uh, that's, that's one kind of funky thing about those missing people that is kind of serial killer pattern, but it's also kind of paranormal. If I might say also, there's a lot of talk about this Bennington triangle being a feeding point for some sort of cryptid that lives in the bush. No, ah, uh, uh, but they also said it was Bigfoot, which I don't condone because Bigfoot's peaceful. But no, all right, this is starting to sound a lot more like a theory. Oh, now it is. Can't can't just fucking take me at my word. I see how it is. <laughs> I've been solving these left, right, and center, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, it's not my fault. It's always some kind of animal-human hybrid. That's true. Or since the Bennington Triangle, there's been a, a shit ton of sightings of UFOs in that area as well. Now, remember when I told you this James Tedford went missing on the bus? He legitimately went missing on a bus. He was on the bus one minute and the bus driver looked up. He was off the bus. No one had gotten off the bus. So he like legitimately disappeared from inside of a bus. There's when did this up- happen? 1950. After Tesla died, just so you know. Hmm. After they had already had UFOs out there from Tesla. So there, a lot of these things have been chalked up to UFOs coming and uh, abducting people as well. So I brought it to aliens and then I did it. I'm great. To this day, they still have weird happenings and reports up in the Bennington Triangle area. Now I've heard this, something that's happening up there, terrifying voices on dead air radio. So they'll just have a radio on and just like, come and get it or whatever the fuck they're saying. I like human meat or whatever the fuck they're saying in it that's scary. again not scary just very gay very gay yeah yeah you 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 tend to to drift that way for some reason oh okay like i told you i want to hammer some dicks down <laughs> this throat i'm cool with it like spooky things like come and get it i want meat <laughs> put it in my ass daddy the scariest <laughs> phrases Oh, those aren't scary. You made it not scary. You made it sexy. I was trying to make it scary. Aw, now I'm all sexy and I'm not scared of Ooh, fill me with hot man butter. <laughs> Come in my mouth. All right. There's also been re- lots of reportings of mis- seeing mysterious figures in the night, humanoid figures. So knoll shape, perhaps. And there's also been a actually a couple plane crashes because they can't explain what's going on with their equipment when it happens. The Bennington Triangle is part of this theory. Paula Jean got sucked into the paranormal activity within the triangle. So those are all the, the theories on this. Or based on my photo I sent, maybe she sucked her way into it. <laughs> I, okay, I'm, I'm hot, man. So what do you guys think is most probable? UFO. The dad probably killed her because he it sounds like he was pushing a little bit too hard for running away when it makes no sense that she ran away because she took nothing with her. And then he overcompensated. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going with Archie. I, I like it. I, I like Archie as a suspect. And I like that he, I like the theory that he did it because in reality, all that you're right. This is a pretty benign case overall, but she never was found or no evidence was ever found. So that's interesting. That doesn't happen often, but it, what did stand out to me while I was researching this was that disappearing for 36 hours. That doesn't make sense to me. Why are you going to run down tips in a little fucking diner in Vermont, like, like a little bit further up the road? It doesn't make sense to me. And you went to talk to the FBI. Okay. Uh, so I, I do like Archie as a suspect and he went through his life like that. Unfortunately, I tried to look up more of Archie and what, where he moved on to beyond whatever but it really is claimed to fame as those fucking alcohol shaker things um the cocktail shakers and his kids there's nothing really about his kids his other three girls anywhere unfortunately i don't know how hard the cops looked at archie or if he called in favors to get them to not look at him because he seemed like that kind of guy i don't fucking know it was 1945 pretty corrupt time it's still corrupt now don't get me wrong but you can't get away with it as easily there's too many cell phones I like, I like Archie. I really do. As a real, realistic, RJ is going to go straight with fucking Noel, but let's hear it. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, what do you think you're going to sway me with that very coherent point? 
<laughs> Come on. Yeah. I'm 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 happy for Archie to take the fall though, so that people stop coming after what I think are very beautiful creatures. And I happen to share that opinion with a certain drawing of a woman in a certain picture. What okay. <laughs> Can you I, say I, all I, that again? <laughs> I was just saying they're beautiful creatures, like in the way that they're innocent, they're animals, you know. Let's like let's not come after them. And uh, apparently they're also beautiful to other people in other ways because they draw them in very steamy positions. <laughs> what website was that again? So people can go search. I love up. that you're associating yourself uh, with the nameless was, and the faceless people on DeviantArt. I love yeah, that. It's, it's, it's usually DeviantArt. I found that one on a little uh, indie site called Google.com. Oh, yeah. Never so, heard of that one. Yeah. Weird. Must be a good upstart. Um, also I want to kind of touch on like, okay, let's eliminate all the ones. Null for sure. Dad for sure. So killer is a little out of the question. I think the Bennington triangle is outrageous for sure. Her dying under the gravel is outrageous, but I also think she might've just died in the fucking bush. Like, I think that could be part of, I think she just could have just gotten turned around the nighttime too cold, hit under some rocks or whatever. And then the dad kind of makes more sense because of the fucking no evidence ever found, like no clothes or anything. So he could have disposed of it really well. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go. Are we consensusing this with like Archie did it, but Archie could potentially be a null. Is that how we're going to pull this together? I don't, I don't expect you guys to get on my, my level of thinking. It's okay. You can go with whatever you want, <laughs> but I'll know. And I'll know in my heart what the real truth is. I, uh, I I feel like I got to go with RJ on this one. Oh, we're going null. Oh, well. I, okay. I got to say, I'm I'm not surprised, but I'm all the same glad you guys saw reason. <laughs> okay, I'll go null. I'll, uh, I just want money. Gems. I don't want to lose it. So we need I'll, this. Well, what do you think will get us the money? If you're if you're comfortable sacrificing the truth for money, Richard, that's fine. Oh, I understand. Gosh. Not everybody has morals. I gave all the theories, so we're going with Noel. Everyone who listened got the whole story, basically. So Noel's will be fun. And uh, Bo, she's from Australia, so she's not going to be smart enough to understand it might not be a Noel. You know what I mean? Mm, okay, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, so Abigail, can you like set up an appointment for ASAP? Me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. I noticed you've been picking up the phone lately, so good for you. You're learning your job. Yep, figured that out. She's only picking it up. She's not answering it. <laughs> She's not even saying hello. She just picks up. What do I do now? <laughs> Private dicks. Oh, there you go. That's pretty good. Not bad at all. I'll give her a call and let, let her know that you've... Uh... Got a solution for her. We figured it out, Bo. We did. Really? And it didn't take us long. And we, I think what we all landed on was that it is a gravelly knoll. The gravelly voice knoll. Oh, checks out. Yeah, it's almost like a wear dingo like you guys have over on your side of the world. Hmm. Look, that all checks out to me. I don't think that there's any other more plausible situation. I'm very proud of what you good-looking roosters did. Seriously? Yeah, you can have this case. Unless you're not supposed to, then I'll run away with it. No, 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 no. We could definitely use it. Holy shit, is that real? Abigail, you're looking at that too much. You're going to have to put this in the bank. Where the fuck did you get an actual pirate's chest? I just watched Private Dicks and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! The promo we're playing today is from my good friend Leroy Luna's podcast. Excuse me, that's illegal. Go check that out wherever you can. He's great, great guy. Always been very supportive of both Unethical and Private Dicks. He's uh, one hell of a guy and I hope to get him on both our podcasts very soon. So if you're an illegal light out there and you're listening to this, tell, tell Leroy, you want him on the show. You want him to be on private dicks and on unethical go bug him. Illegal lights unite. Oh, Hey there. You like true crime stories, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I know, who doesn't? But I gotta admit, after a while all those stories of murder and heartache, well they tend to go straight to my hips. So that's why I, Leroy Luna, have created a podcast called Excuse Me, That's Illegal, where we'll take a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. No TED Talks on Bundy here. The letters BTK won't be coming from these lips. Unless he had a brother that used to steal library books. Suppose I'd be willing to go balls deep into that one if that were the case. Anyways, you'll hear stories such as the Mad Pooper, a female jogger who wreaked havoc in a Colorado Springs neighborhood, using one family's front yard as her own personal dumping grounds. If this kind of content sounds like it's up your alley, excuse me, that's illegal. It's available right now on all your favorite podcatchers. So come join me. I'll be right here waiting for you. Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're going to stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they take your reviews, drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And if you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best. Thank you.